Hello and welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we are concluding with our coverage of HBO's Mind Over Murder. Get ready for some more anger and also we'll get some tears, possibly. Be- but will there be more butt factor? <laughs> Before we get into that, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to email us to email us to complain about how annoying we are or to donate to us on PayPal, our email is doctomepod at gmail.com. We like hate mail. <laughs> no, we do not, because I have to read it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't actually get hate mail. All, mm, well, mm. all that info is also in our show notes, so let's get into the final three episodes of the series. Episode four introduces us to Tina Vath. She moved to town with her boyfriend and became a police dispatcher. She got so interested in police work that she became a cop and eventually befriended Bert and his family. I love her. (laughs) Now, these years later, when the DNA test results bring more questions, she's asked by the county attorney to look over the case again because they want people investigating it who have no connection to the original investigation. Right. Fresh eyes. Bird's wife pops up to say that now Tina was investigating her husband. No, she's investigating the case. It had nothing to do, If it happens to lead to how your husband fucked it up, then so be it. Tina didn't move to this town, become a cop, and then a friend to your husband just to, to like stab him in the back. Yeah, weird long con. She definitely thought that was like what was happening. It happened to just be that way. Why would she spend years working up to this point? She was undercover, okay? She was a spy. Long con. So now they're going back over evidence and just finding all these weird little things. Also, did the cops steal a grocery cart from a store? Yes, they did. Like, you can't buy a load cart to haul evidence boxes I around? I noticed that as well. Like, you can get them for less than 100 bucks. <laughs> Why would you do that when you can just steal Winn-Dixie's okay. shopping cart? <laughs> They've got plenty, okay? So they're told the crime happened because they wanted to rob Helen, and yet they found $1,200 still in the apartment. What the fuck? <laughs> Which in the 80s is like... Three, four thousand? It's a lot. It's a lot of money even now. Like, if I wouldn't leave $1,200 behind. No. And six people are in this apartment fighting this old lady and stopping to make coffee, and yet the only real damage is a footstool turned over and one coffee mug sitting out. Bert had even stated there were all these coffee mugs sitting in the sink, and they show a picture and it's just drinking glasses. <laughs> it's not coffee mugs. The man doesn't know what a coffee mug is. Well, and yeah, and... He was like, oh, relative had cleaned before they left, and so the sink should have been empty. And Maybe she just forgot, or maybe she set them there to dry or something. I don't know. Maybe she normally does that, but because Helen was sick, she, she was just, just left in a hurry. Yeah. Know. Who cares? It's some fucking glasses. And the whole thing started because Lisa said that Joanne had confessed the crime to her at 7.30 in the morning when they're standing around watching all these cop cars in front of the apartment. The thing is, the crime wasn't reported until around 9.30. (laughs) So were cops just hanging out at that apartment building for no reason? For two hours. But what about all these details of the crime that Lisa knew about? At the very least, she must be psychic, right? No, it was all in the newspaper. Like, all the facts were from what was in the newspaper. And Lisa and Joanne didn't even like each other. So why would Joanne confess murdering someone to her? I mean, why would you even do that Like, if you liked the person? (laughs) Bizarre. I love you, but if I kill someone, I'm probably not going to tell no, you. No, don't tell me. 
I don't I don't want that information. Yeah. Because <laughs> no. then I'm an accomplice because I knew and didn't say anything. So all these years later, Tina asks Lisa to come in for an interview. And after she's confronted with these discrepancies, Lisa stops cooperating. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> so now Tina is looking over the interviews and starts with Joanne's. And right away, she doesn't describe Tim's car correctly and even states that the crime happened in a house. And she can still see the house plain as day. And then she comes back and she's like, never mind. Yeah. They've shown the building where this crime has occurred several times. And I gotta say, looks like a three-story red building, not a house. So how do you continue this interview after hearing that? Like, those are basic facts, just completely wrong. Pretty hard to miss what a building looks like. No, 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 no. Bert does what we see so very often in these calls false confessions let's just take a break so you can think about it a little more and we'll turn the tape tape off turn the tapes off fucking coaching the suspect until you get the right answer it's insane so before the car was light blue and now magically after a little break it's brown and green and matches tom's car how do you go from blue to brown and green you don't and that house transformed into a red building and they're seeing this with all the different interrogations Facts are wrong, let's stop the tape, come back with the correct answer. And then they find a separate tape of Tom Winslow where he recants his confession. And that's when Bert loses his mind on Tom and says the you buff fucked her line. And even throws out that what Tom is now saying doesn't jive with what everyone else has confessed. I just want to say the word is jibe. I mean, maybe he doesn't dance. <laughs> it's jibe. So now we get a better idea of what exactly they tested for DNA. And it's a lot. It is 40 separate pieces of evidence. All of that. And they didn't find one shred of physical evidence from these six people. Like no hairs, nothing. And Helen's family is like, well, we were there all the time and they didn't find us. I was like, did they even test for you guys? They wouldn't look for you. Why would they have tested? Uh, Even the blood they find on the wall is from the same unknown male as the semen. The very active semen. Very virile. Kathy apparently had a nosebleed that was so bad she had to use a washcloth and throw away her bra. And that they don't find any evidence of her blood in the apartment. Which is crazy. Yeah, like her blood's not even on the (laughs) washcloth that she used. (laughs) The county attorney again gets into contact with the attorney general to let him know that there might be some innocent people in prison. Deb, Kathy, and James already served their sentence, so there's nothing you can really do for them at this point. They work to get Joanne released on parole, Joe a new trial so they can just drop the charges and get him released, and Tom is also released. The first three were out in four years, which also obviously sucks, but these three have been there for like almost two decades. Yeah. Uh, And to make you even more angry, the next scene is Bert walking into his flower shop, just whistling away. It was a beautiful touch by the film editors. He's upset that they released these people so fast and just threw the case out the window. Sir, there's no fucking case. They reinvestigated and you were wrong. Take your head out of your ass, get a new haircut, and fucking open your eyes, you piece of shit. He and his wife are perfect for each other. She's upset that Tina believed these people should be in prison, and now suddenly she doesn't. 
Yeah, she looked at the evidence. It's called, it's called an investigation into the crime. She didn't know any of the evidence before and all, the, all of that. She just trusted that her friend Bert put these people in and they're the right people. Remember how we used to have cocaine in our sodas and now we don't? Like, shit because changes evidence. when you learn more facts. He put six people in jail for nothing and when it was proved he was wrong, what happened to him? He's not in jail. He's still working at a flower shop. How is your life really ruined? Because... His character was destroyed. <laughs> He's no longer the hero. But, well, we see it later, the way the family and all of them still treat him like he's a hero. It's yeah. insane. It's weird. I feel awful for Helen's family. First, they had to find out about this through the news. But second, they believe Bert is right. So now they think that these people who killed their loved one is just out and free and got away with it. They can't understand why they would just let them go just because there wasn't DNA found. They said they did it. (laughs) They're the kind of people who trust the police no matter what. Bert says they did it, then they did it. All they see is the media talking about these six people and just completely ignoring Helen and using this as a political gain. And then we get into the whole, why would you confess to a crime you didn't commit? It happens. A lot. Way more than one would think. Yes. Uh, According to the California Innocence Project, 25% of overturned convictions involve false confessions. And also a review of 125 wrongful convictions showed that 84% of the false confessions occurred after more than six hours of questioning. It's like torture. And with the way these interrogations were stopped and started, as far as the filming goes, we have no idea how long they were in there. So now they have to start from the beginning with this investigation. All these people were eliminated like 25 years ago, so they're all suspects again. (laughs) You have to just start over. And they all have to give DNA samples again. Uh, They slowly narrow it down until they are left with Cliff, Deb's husband, and Bruce Smith that we had mentioned all the way at the beginning. Which I thought was a nice little cliffhanger. But I was like, okay, well, obviously. Um, As it turns out, it's old Brucey boy. Like, why else would you have specifically named him early in the series and his whereabouts and all that? Can you imagine if Cliff did it and then threw his wife under the bus? That's what I was thinking when they were like, it was between Cliff and this guy. And I was like, you fucking Cliff. You threw your wife under the bus. But we've seen him. So we know it's not him. He's out free hanging out with her. So yeah, looking through the 85 case file, they learned that Bruce had shown up in town just a few days before the homicide. He, we talked about how he went drinking at the local bar with a friend and then went to a trailer to hang out with the girls. Apparently he tried to rape one of them. They yeah. just casually show, throw out. Yeah, and then they, like, kicked him out. Yeah, obviously that didn't go well, so he's kicked out. He says that line, I'm going to get asked one way or another, and gets a ride back to town. And Which, who gave him a ride? <laughs> I know. And he's dropped off near the apartment building. He's drunk, high, and it was negative 7 degrees Fahrenheit out that night. He's not going to go far. And as you enter that building, her door would have been the first one. And also they had mentioned, like... His grandmother had one point had lived in the building. Yeah, so he's familiar. Yeah. Early in the next morning, a few blocks away, a convenience store owner recalls seeing a man in the store stealing chips who fit the description of Bruce Smith. His arms were covered in scratches and blood. But I was like, was he not wearing a coat? That part I didn't understand. Mm, I mean, maybe, but Uh, like... That part I kind of Also, a coat would make it way easier to steal shit. (laughs) I know. 
So his arms were covered in scratches and blood. He then hopped on a Greyhound bus headed back to Oklahoma City. This is like literally the like next day. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's immediate. Suspicious. Well, they had said something about Joe and Joanne had left, but it was weeks later. Like, why would you stick around for weeks? Ten days after the murder is when cops went to interview him and get the blood sample and then get that secretor when they're looking for a non-secretor. Turns out they would have had their guy if it wasn't for Joyce Gilchrist. Name didn't ring any bells until they showed her picture. And then I was like, oh, that bitch. Like, I remember hearing about Ruining her. lives. She was a forensic chemist who had a hand in more than 3,000 criminal cases in her 21 years working for the Oklahoma City Department. And she wasn't very good at her job. So she just kind of made it up. She also relied a lot on hair analysis, which we now know is flawed. Yeah, those look similar. And sent a lot of people to prison and even 23 people were sentenced to death based on her testimony. 11 having already been executed by the time she was fired because it turns out a bunch of those people were innocent once their DNA was actually checked. Whoopsie. In 1989, she was the one who checked the blood sample for Bruce, so there's no telling if she fucked up the results on purpose or just really sucked at her job. I think it's odd that the Beatrice police still kept the blood sample all these years later. I mean, like, it's good that they did, but aren't you supposed to... Destroy it? Yeah. I thought that was weird. Also, it's still good. I guess. They were just holding a vial of blood. How long is that shit good for? Like, Also, he was eliminated. Why would you keep it? Especially if Bert was so set on, these are the people that did it. I guess if you use it for the same crime, maybe it's fine. I don't know. We're not cops. (laughs) I don't know. I would never be a cop. I would never pass the fitness test. (laughs) He had a previous conviction for rape, so it's not like he's a clean cut guy. Uh, anyway, now we have to find this fucker so we can interview him. Little problem with that, he died September 30th, 1992. They show his death certificate and I was shocked to not only see he was married, but his occupation was listed as home improvement repair. Was this dude going into people's houses? Like fucking BTK? (sighs) That's terrifying. Well, I mean, I'm sure that he had a hand in raping other people. That's so scary. You don't really you don't really rape an old lady and murder her and then that's well, it. Well, he had a previous rape before that, too. Nah. This asshole got seven years of freedom while six people went away for his crime. So now Nebraska really needs to cover their ass. In early 2009, all six people are granted pardons. They don't even set a hearing for the case. They just... No, they literally <laughs> were just we... Yes. Unfortunately, Helen's family still believes they were involved. Bruce raped her, and these six people were the ones who killed her. I They thought, honestly, that six people broke into this apartment, murdered this woman, left. This drunk guy comes along, stumbles upon this dead woman in her apartment, rapes her, and leaves that doesn't happen ever that's not a thing that's not their whole evidence is she wouldn't have answered the door to someone she didn't know she didn't answer that phone call even though she didn't feel well she probably didn't want to fucking talk to anybody and also there were six coffee mugs out even though that part wasn't even true and then my thing is how did bruce get all scratched up and leave blood in the bedroom was he like doing windmills through the house cut himself on furniture and then just gush blood on the wall that doesn't make sense unless he killed her so the actor playing Bert 
in the play meets up with the real Bert, and I love when Bert asks him why he would want to play him. The guy's response was, I got a lot of lines. <laughs> Honesty. <laughs> it was amazing. Great answer. Especially when the previous scene was him saying, there was no accountability for this guy. People don't like to admit they're wrong, and everyone wants to feel like a hero in their own story. Like, just shitting on Bert. And then having to go face to face and be like, uh. Yeah, totally playing you. So, episode five, we start off, and man, Deb is really fucked up from all this, huh? Whatever they did to her, her brain is still putting her at that scene, helping commit that murder. Yeah, she still closes her eyes and can feel the smothering this old yes. lady that she didn't do. This episode is more about, like, what happens to them once they have their freedom. Joe picks back up with the high school girlfriend in Alabama and makes plans. He wants to get married and save up enough money to take a road trip across America on his motorcycle, which that makes sense. He's been locked up for years. He had plans for a coffee table book and I totally would have bought it. He gets a job at a Coke foundry, Coke as in coal-based fuel, and March 27, 2011, he fucking dies in a workplace accident. It, his story is like one of the most tragic. I could not believe. Yeah, he gets sentenced to life in prison for a crime he didn't commit. After decades, he finally gets them to check the DNA, which gets him and all these other people released. And then right before he died, he filed a federal civil rights case against County on behalf of all of them and dies right after he's getting his life on track. Seriously, he would have had such a bright future ahead of him. And then... And like, he didn't even care about the money. He just wanted to prove in federal court that the county fucked them over. He didn't even get to get married. He didn't even get to make his coffee table book. That's sad. However, this civil rights case is going to be hard when you have one of the people, Debbie, still, still saying I did it. They were at the crime. They have to pull in an expert to try to figure out why she thinks this. She did not have a good life. Shocking. She was in foster homes, and after graduating high school, she reconnected with her birth mother, which didn't go well, seeing as how she was raped by her stepfather, and her mom blamed her for it. Mm. I just don't know how you get to that point. Things didn't get better. She married a guy after getting pregnant, and then that marriage fell apart. She got into another relationship that didn't work out after that guy abused her daughter and the state got involved. She sent to psychologist named Dr. Wayne Price, who seems to be in and out of this whole story. He just keeps popping back in. Yeah, he's like the, the town's only mental health specialist. And he deems her to be an unfit mother and she loses all rights to her daughter. So not great. She eventually meets and marries Cliff. They have a daughter together. I don't even want to talk about that, that story yeah she just wanted a baby real bad <laughs> and then things seem to be going fine until of course cliff gets arrested along with tom for that beating all the shit those two went through and they're still married i don't know <laughs> how they seem fun they have a two liter of pepsi on the living room floor and a wwe calendar on the otherwise bare wall of the living room heaven so because Cliff had dropped Deb's name to the cops, she believes that she must have done it because why else would her husband say she did it? Which is just so wild. She's very gullible and the perfect person for the cops to manipulate. As she's, we said before, her... She's got a lot of things going on 
mental health wise yes and you know throw in the traumatic childhood and just it's a lot like it's a lot for any person to deal with 2014 is when the actual case goes to trial and we see more of the interrogation tapes it's so fucked like when Bert was talking to Joanne and trying get trying to get her to name Tom he would bring up windmills hoping that would get her somehow to con- oh, she's so fucking crazy connected Tom's last name Winslow how do you cover your ass on that one like it's so obvious what he's doing <laughs> Oh, I always discuss windmills and other green energy resources with suspects. Cliff had told cops that Debbie cut her head on a broken mirror in Helen's apartment. But there wasn't a broken mirror. There's no broken mirror. But that doesn't stop burp. Burp. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't stop Bert from arresting Debbie and threatening to take her daughter away since Cliff's already in prison. Which is going to be super fucking traumatic because she's already lost a daughter. Oh, my God. So Debbie goes back to her cell and gets in contact with Dr. Price. And the next day, she came back with her confession and throwing James Dean in the mix, which is so weird seeing as how the cops kept trying to get the other people to, like, implicate James. And Bert didn't have any reaction when she says James was there. Doesn't question her about how no one else had placed him there. Just nothing. I don't know why all these people would just like, no, he wasn't there. But this one person says, anyway, it's just one thing after another. James Dean being visited by Dr. Price after he was arrested, not handling that well. Bert showing a video of the crime scene and the body. So he starts having nightmares about it to the point that he starts to think he was there. I came to him in a dream. Bert took a mugshot photo of Kathy from the Beatrice police and same day Deb and James say she was there. What are the odds of that? We learned from Kathy how Dr. Price's little game worked. She's obviously upset to be in jail and accused of this crime so they send him in to quote help calm her down. The doctor comes in and tells Kathy that she committed the crime. It was just so horrible that she doesn't remember being there. But it would come back to her in dreams. And then they're like showing them pictures of the crime scene and stuff. So Which are going to haunt any brain. normal person. Yeah. And if she didn't do it, why would she dream about it? That's This dude's a fucking villain. He really is. <laughs> Even worse, and they don't really talk about it that much, he worked as a sheriff's deputy. So he could claim like he's there as a cop and not a psychologist and then still fucking manipulate these people. Which is just ethically, I can't see how any of that was allowed at all, even remotely. How dare you? And he was also Joanne and Debbie's doctor and knew their past and their mental health issues and still didn't recuse himself from this case. He's literally the reason why Debbie lost her first daughter. Yeah, it's gross how these people just abuse their power. Because it's just a small town. There's nobody there to really checks and balances. So it makes sense why Deb thinks she must have done this crime. Her husband said she was there, so she must have been. And she was told that she repressed it, and if she dreamt about it, then it was true. Uh, Dr. Price, by the way, never lost his license. He is rated one star on vitals.com, though, so there's that. But at least sitting through the civil trial and hearing all the bullshit the sheriff's office pulled, Deb now knows that she's truly innocent. I can't imagine how emotional that must have Right, to finally be like, oh my god, I didn't kill some sweet old lady. But she still has nightmares about being there. That's what's insane. 
Yeah. And then, of course, the last piece of shit involved in this is Dick Smith, who was the Gage County attorney who was in there for the interrogation. To be fair with a name like Dick Smith. I know. And he still signed off on these people being prosecuted. And when a company offered to do DNA testing to confirm, he said no. And then told the judge later that there was just no way to do DNA testing. If it was possible, of course I would have done it. Said he was worried that the DNA might not have been preserved well or it would have cost too much, yada yada. And it was so new, like we didn't think it be allowed in court and And of course never let the defense attorneys know that a company offered to test it it costs 250 dollars to test each sample which i don't know seems more cost effective to waste a couple thousand dollars to test for the evidence than the millions they have to pay later which we will get into that seems so cheap too like 250 (laughs) dollars all right sign me up but it's fine for Dick Smith because he has immunity in this civil trial, so he can sleep at night just fine. Just no consequences for any of these assholes. No, I I truly wish that there had been prison time for some of these people. Even a fine. Just something to inconvenience them. <laughs> something to say that they were wrong. The civil trial ends in a mistrial when the jury is stuck 11 to 1 in favor of the six. How do you sit through all the and just not see any of the problems. I get the people still thinking they did it in town because they're just basing it on what the cops originally said, but to sit through this evidence, I don't get it. Episode six, you know what? People still found Casey Anthony not guilty and OJ. It's, there's always gonna be people. Well, it's difficult because like, you don't really want a jury of your peers judging you because a jury of your peers are going to be stupid uh we get to your favorite part episode six right away just fucking burnt man they're showing him a rough cut of the series and when it gets to the part of them talking about how they were dealing with prison how tough it was fucking what they poor went through. tom like he is literally pouring his heart out about being raped in prison yeah and Bert doesn't have any fucking sympathy. Bert just pulls out his phone to scroll through it, and the director's like, "Do you want us to pause?" And he's like, "No, I don't. I don't. Care. It's fine." Yeah. And she's like, "No, we can pause it." And he's just like, he's trying to be like, "Oh no, 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 no!" And then she, and then he's finally, "I just don't care." Yeah. What the fuck? Doesn't even want to take a second to listen to them. All these years, all these many, many people telling him he was wrong, just does not care. There isn't a minute possibility in his mind that he could have been wrong. And you know what? Jeff Patterson, the civil attorney, said it best. There are people who believe the earth is flat. Yep. They're definitely some idiots. They appeal for a new civil trial, which is granted, and the new trial starts in June of 2016. This trial goes better. They know what to expect, and they interview jurors from the previous trial to figure out what worked and what didn't. So they know how to better prove their case. And it also helped when in closing arguments, the attorney on the other side stands up and proclaims that the rapes Tom received in prison were deserved because he was in there for a sex crime. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, that's real uncool. I don't care what you're in for. That's fucked up. As a rape survivor, I was aghast to hear that an attorney would say this in a courtroom. That that and Bert not caring about what he went through. You put him in prison where he was raped multiple times. Yes. And you don't feel even the slightest 
sympathy or guilt for what had happened. It's your fault that this man was put in a situation to be raped. And also, rape in prison, not okay. Not cool. Like, it's not... You know what? I'm going to take a stand and say that rape, period, is just not cool. No, it's really not. But I feel like people like... I feel so brave saying that. Thank you. (laughs) But you you know what I mean. People, I think, sometimes think, well, if you're in prison, you deserve it. Yeah, like I hope you get raped in prison. Rape is fucking horrible. Yeah, being in prison is your punishment. Rape is never a punishment that should be doled out to anyone. Fuck that. So yeah, the Beatrice Six are awarded 28.1 million dollars and the town is like wait a minute we don't Uh have that (laughs) do the little collar (laughs) they're like can we file for bankruptcy (laughs) yeah needless to say a county of twenty-two thousand people doesn't exactly have 28 million dollars to spare a county a county of twenty-two thousand people can you imagine that it is small 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 very small the county tries to file bankruptcy and is denied so time to raise the taxes so everyone has to suffer because of the sheriff's office mistake and of course some of these people instead victim blame by saying well your life was probably more fulfilled in prison than if you had been out on the streets because that's how that works when they were trying to say that they would never have made that kind of money out in their day-to-day lives it's not about restitution for finances that you could have like Like, oh man i didn't get to work yeah that's not what this is about these people didn't marriage and kids and fucking seeing the sun or touching sand this is about losing your life i don't even want to know what my blood pressure was at while watching this because this whole thing is very frustrating i use my inhaler a lot (laughs) I did a little puff puff, but it wasn't the inhaler. (laughs) But we at least learned that Joanne got married and isn't in this because she just wants Wants to put put it behind her. She's fucking done with this. And Tom also got married. Deb is still obviously married to Cliff after all these years, and they used the money to buy a house, which is incredible since they were unhoused for three years before they won this civil case. Seriously, they were living in in a van. Yeah. Not down by the river. They were living in a Walmart Walmart parking lot. (laughs) in a van down by the river so now it's time for the community theater to put on the play and holy fuck everyone in this town is insane they are threatening these actors and saying the same thing should happen to them that happened to helen which is wild these aren't even criminals these are just citizens sending a death threat to an actor who does reenactments on a true crime show how is it any different from reenacting stuff in a play? You're yelling at that waitress for no reason. <laughs> she is just bringing you the food. I have had someone murdered in my family, and it was in the 60s, way before my time, but I've still seen how it has affected family members. I can't imagine if someone wanted to tell the story about it and having these reactions that these townspeople had. It's insane, the things they were saying. Although as much pushback as there was, it was a sold-out show. I noticed that on the little sign. I thought that was cute. I really wish they would have released this play online. I looked, and... I told you, I wish they had showed more of it. I would pay to see this. Generate some money for the theater company because they deserve it. 
art programs could always use more money. Let's pay these actors. Especially because the play fucking worked. There were people crying. Helen's own family members attended the play and now believe the six were really innocent. It's so crazy that 90 minutes of hearing someone not involved with the case telling them the facts and they've changed. They don't want to say Bert's wrong. That part, I just, oh my God. But they were innocent. But Bert was wrong. You have to, oh my God. Okay, whatever. Was it Helen? Was that a grandson? Helen's grandson? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because he's so much older looking than Shane. It kept throwing me off. He feels so awful that he agrees to meet with Joe's mom and sister. Yeah. He has them over to his house and I'm just I like, I was so wow. shocked. We saw how much hatred he had for Joe even decades later. And now he wants to meet with his family to learn more about Joe's life. Well, and he... And he said that he felt the most sympathy for him because he was the one who was consistent in saying, I, I was didn't, not involved. Yeah, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And, you know, he's he never said that he did it. So, I, you know, I feel sympathy for that. And then also the fact that, God, he gets out of prison and he fucking dies. Yeah. But it was very beautiful to see these two families come together They're to holding bond hands. over this tragedy. Except Helen's family, even after learning the truth and learning to accept it, still don't blame Bert. You know what? Baby steps. So I like that Bert and his wife just happen to be too busy to attend the play. I checked and there were three showings. But whatever. (laughs) And not three on one day. It was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh yeah, no, of course. But whatever. They had prior engagements. (laughs) Well, he was at a golf tournament and she had to babysit the grandkids so her kids could go to the play. And I was like, okay, but there's still two more showings. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't take turns babysitting. I, I just, I don't know. Bert still insists they are guilty and instead blames the courts and jury. Totally ignoring that the courts and jury came to their conclusion of guilt based on false evidence he provided. He would say if he made a mistake. And he did not make a mistake. I would love to hear what his kids thought after they saw the play. Yeah, I I would be curious on that as well. Get to um, it in a little bit, but I think the mom might have talked to them a little. Uh, the director questions him, so you're willing to trust the courts. Why can't you accept the civil trial decision? And he gets up and gets in her personal space for no fucking reason. And he gets mad that they're still filming. And it's yeah. like, mm, do you not know how documentaries work? It's like he's trying to intimidate her. Yeah. And I really like that. Then gets upset, yeah, when they're still filming. It's scary. There's no reason for him to not just stand up, but he walks several steps. It's just weird. So he finally says he accepts that the court says they are innocent, but he doesn't believe it. Which, how can you accept it but not believe it? He will do anything to not admit fault. He finally admits that he might have made some mistakes, which I think that's the best we're ever going to get from him. And then we go to his wife who says she wishes he would consider the possibility that they were innocent. And the entire time she's saying this, she keeps glancing off camera like... She's trying to see where he's at oh, so he I, doesn't hear her. I was sitting there thinking, she's probably hoping he never watches this. Because if because... you watch her eyes, she keeps trying to see if he's nearby or something. But I was shocked to hear her say that. Oh, yeah. That's like... why I was like, did she talk to the kids? <laughs> uh, 
Helen's family and the community gather together to plant a tree in Helen's honor. As much hate as the plague got when the town first heard about it, I f it really did help bring like this community together and maybe help start the healing process. Yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, even when the grandson called like the other family members that couldn't be there for the play, yeah. like, and it was just, you know, it was eye opening. Yeah. And then, yeah, Shane crying on the phone as he's trying to understand. And yeah, they said they've spent all this time thinking that those are the people who murdered their grandmother. And, and then thinking these people just got away with murder and they're getting all this money for it that we're having to pay. It's rough. But I think the biggest lesson above all else is don't fucking say a word to cops. Ever. <laughs> but yeah, I really loved this one. I, I did too. Like I definitely, it was not something I was familiar with. And I, at, at first I thought the whole community theater thing was going to be weird, but it, I yeah. it actually, it worked and it was really well done. And I, I remember finishing the fourth episode and was, there's still two more. What else could we possibly talk about? But then at the end of it, I was like, yeah, that was fine. Yeah. <laughs> we needed six episodes. Yeah, exactly. I I wish that we got to see more of the play. Um, I would love to see that play. But it was, I loved it. It was it was a really good, really well done documentary. And I'm really happy for all the people that like, you know, they got their judgment. And I wish that Joe, um, AKA Lobo, <laughs> could have, you know, gotten a chance to get married and have his happiness, but. I'm happy for the and others. Really like, sucks. That. And like Kathy said, you know, he did that for all of them. Yeah. He got them out and pardoned and And also so. the settlement. Yeah, and also the settlement. He did all of that and he never got to enjoy any of it. But And fucking Bruce just got away with it. He died of AIDS. I hope it was like awful. It was early nineties, so it probably was pretty rough. Yeah. Unless you had like Magic Johnson money. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a great one. We'll be back next week with forensic files. I believe so. Oh boy. Alright, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Doc to Me. The opening music is by Twisterium. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at doctomepod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at doctomepod and find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. Thank you.